Hello everyone. My name is Alastair Lawson. I'm the Home Ed Manager at Twinkle Publishing, uh, also a home educating parent of three. And as you know, here at Twinkle, we've got a team working hard to try and do helpful things for home educators. And we're trying something new today. I'm talking to a very special guest, Ross Mountney. A while ago, we asked in our Home Ed Facebook group which Home Ed personalities people found inspiring and Ross's name came up repeatedly. So we asked her if she'd come and talk to us. And to our delight, she said yes. So Ross home educated her children, is both an author and a blogger on the subject of home education. So when you're looking for somebody to talk to about home education, there's no need to go much further. Ross, hi. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're going to have a little chat today and hopefully you'll share some of your experiences and beliefs around the subject of home education. And I wondered if you might begin by, I suppose we all have a, a why, don't we, a story about how we came to, to home educate. I wonder if, wondered if you might tell us why you chose to home educate back in the first place. Well, I don't know how far back it goes, really. I know that, I mean, I started my working life in the classroom and I was seeing so much of what I thought education not working for the children that were there. Worked for some, obviously, but there just seemed to be so much that was questionable, really. Children not being able to learn in the way they needed to, the climate not right for some of them. We're not all crowd lovers, are we? And I just think there's so much of that that isn't taken into account. You know, not everybody learns well in that environment. And so sort of 10 years of teaching there sort of made me begin to think, well, is, is, is this the only way of doing it? Is this, you know, do we have to do it? And, and also I'm having to do things to kids actually I didn't like doing to them because it just wasn't helping them learn really. I don't know whether it started before that when I was at school and thinking, what is the point of all this? <laughs> there might there must have been some of that in it I think and then I mean we had children this so I was teaching pre-children and that was my only experience of children uh, in the classroom really and then when our children came along I just looked at them and they they were just learning machines yeah. and I hadn't come across that in children before they just right. wanted to know everything they just wanted to learn about everything they wanted to know everything we were doing there was the inevitable why questions that drive you up the wall you think they're doing it just to irritate yes. you but it's because they're learning and so that was an absolute eye-opener and then I kind of felt like a dutiful parent I ought to send my children to school the inevitable pressures around you yes. and I watched that disappear yeah. and I watched their health disappear their yeah. love of learning disappear and their intelligence they they went to school they came home they dropped on the settee and watched crap on the television and I mean yeah. that had never been our life before then sure. so and then when I watched them get more and more ill infection after infection and just and these infections disappeared during holidays, you know, it really be made me begin to question. If I'd been braver, I probably would have gone for it straight away, but our second one started and she wasn't even there a year and I knew this wasn't gonna be right for her because yeah. she was one of the ones who didn't thrive in that 
busy, uh, competitive, noisy environment. Neither did she want to keep her shoes on all day. <laughs> and I mean, if she learns better with her shoes off, <laughs> why not in my my view? So we kind did, of... Did that come up at school? Was the, Did she try to work shoeless at school? Or was it just that, you know, she was... Uh... You know, she followed the rules, but that would have been her preference. Well, I wouldn't say that she, she did follow the rules and keep her shoes on. <laughs> she didn't follow other rules, you know, and at the grand old age of six was getting kept in because she hadn't finished her writing. And I'm thinking but she needs to be out running about. You know, if she was able to go and run about and work it off, she would do what was required of her. And it, and it was those things I'd seen in children when I was teaching as well. Yeah. So, you know, when it, it was kind of confirmed when hours went to school and I hadn't had an experience at all of home education. So I was a bit dubious. I'd sort of seen one family running about doing nothing as we yeah. all judge home educators before we know the truth. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and these children grew into um, young people who were articulate, intelligent, motivated and all of those things seem to have stopped in my children. <laughs> and so we kind of, yeah. you know, it, it, we got to a crunch point. I think I just, I described it in my book, A Funny Kind of Education, mm. where I just felt enough's enough. You know, what have we got to lose? Um, and we sort of, yeah, plunged in from there. Fantastic. I mean, and it, it's, it's described in, in brilliant detail in, in your book that you mentioned a funny kind of education. And, you know, it's very vivid that, you know, you, you kind of were able to observe that school was gradually, you know, depleting the energy and almost the personality of, of your children. And that totally, you know, yeah. once you made that decision to to pull them out, it seemed to return almost immediately, or at least that was the sense I got from from reading the book. Would that would that be a fair sort of description? Totally. And their health returned. And their desire to learn. And you got, you got your children back who you'd known before, known before, who were cooperative, curious, eager, yeah. fascinated with everything. You know, who wants to watch the telly? It's boring. There's so many other good things to be doing. And that all came back, their desire to learn anything. And I, and I think that's one of the things that I learned from home education, which I know that you um, asked me about previously, was that it confirmed all those suspicions that you could actually learn in other ways by using that desire to learn. Children want to learn. Why would they not want to learn? Mm. They are curious about the world. But the snag is that the school wants them to learn things that don't interest them and and. and you yeah. know, everybody matures at a different stage. You know, you don't like wine when you're five, but you like it when you're 15. And it's <laughs> some, some, of, some, of, some of the learnings the I same. Like you know, you, you don't like Shakespeare, but you might like him when you're 25 or 35. Who's to say when these things have to happen? Yeah. And I think that's so yeah. inhibiting. A little bit like olives, isn't it? You know, that sort of yeah. place that you, you kind of you come to in your own time. I mean, yeah. there's so much to, you know, that you could possibly discuss around how schools work and how it works for, for some children, isn't there? But I mean, there's the, again, I suppose the, you know, the issue of only learning things in set blocks and, you know, we're, we're learning about this now for 45 minutes and then we're going to stop. 
learning about and we're learning we're learning it like this because we have to measure it yes yes yeah but anyway Uh, let's not not go down well i mean i would would like i mean we're we're both coming from teaching backgrounds so and and we've both you know chosen to to home educate so it's quite an interesting point really in my opinion whether kind of working in schools you know does make you more aware of the limitations of the system and you know whether that is is ultimately a factor in you know uh, you you do come across it a lot where teachers have uh, taken the decision to home educate and uh, and it does come through in some of your writing that you know your your conclusion that there is really you know a lot of school work is is you know really an empty exercise as a sort of time filling kind of recapping Mm. you know it's about presentation rather than you know actually furthering any sort of learning or meeting any sort of curiosity yeah I think the other thing about teachers home educating and I I, I've thought uh, well this is true of myself and other teachers who home educate I've spoken to have the same feeling is the general public kind of think oh that's okay you're a teacher you can teach them Um, And they think you home educate because you are a teacher when that is not the case at all. You home educate not because you can teach or even need to teach. It's because you've seen what goes on school in school and some of it you don't want happening to your children. Exactly. I mean, when we spoke previously, I I mentioned that I'd worked in year six for a number of years, excuse me, and, and, you know, had the, the job of prepping children for, for SATs and, you know, how, how much pressure was placed on them in terms of the results they could achieve through, through that process. So, yeah, completely, completely know what you're, what you're talking about there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to ask you this um, just to see what your response is, because you, you do get a lot of talk about approaches and styles in the home ed world. So, you know, you, you took your children out of school, you made the decision. Was there a plan? You know, could you describe the approach you took towards home educating? You, you've mentioned that, you know, people often think it's easier for teachers. Was that true in your experience? Or, you know, how did you go about the whole business? Uh, no, it wasn't easier because teaching won't do in a home ed situation. And I'm not a teacher, I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. And I believe that children learn because of a good relationship with the person who's enabling that learning. So first and foremost, I had to be a parent, get my teacher-ish hat off. Like we're going to do this now, we're going to do this, this and this, and we're going to do a few tables, we're going to do a bit of writing. Um, and let them, when they come up and say, well, look, I've got this really good book about Henry VIII and I want to go and sit on the settee and read it. Mm-hmm. And, and I ought to, you know, I needed to shut up and stop trying to organise their, their learning uh, and be confident that they would come to it ha- how they needed to do at the time they did, yeah. um, the time they needed to do it as well. And, and I think I sort of... I had to stop that. I had to sort of begin to understand that you don't need an approach with a label. If there's one label I would, I would say that works is do what works at the time, yeah. you know, and if you want a structured approach because you're 
You want them, you know, they sometimes like structured approach. They like things set out in a structured way and learning their tables and chanting for it. Exactly. Just using that as an example. I'm not saying anybody needs to learn their tables. I'm just using that as an example. And other things are completely random, like, you know, my daughter discovering the horrible histories books. And then she's telling me all about history that I've got absolutely no idea about at all and yeah. never taught her or anything. Um, and it's the way they come to learning themselves. And you have to begin to trust that. Yes. It takes a bit of while. But I mean, the first thing, the first approach was to get school out of the system and let them recover yes. and get their smiles back. Yeah. And so, so, and so we, sorry, sorry, go on. I, no, I'm interrupting. But I, I was just curious, like thinking back on their school experiences and it's um, it, two daughters you have, don't you, who you educated. Mm. How did they you know, had they built up a negative connotation of school? How did they think back to the time they were at school after they'd left? I'm just curious. Well, after they left, I mean, my eldest was a very conscientious type of girl who, or even now, you know, is desperate always to do the right thing. I don't know where she got that from because it's not going to come for me, that's for sure. Maybe she got it in school. Um, so she was a bit dubious when I suggested that they come out and do their work at home. Yeah. Um, and so that I think that was a bit difficult for her to start with, especially bearing in mind some, you know, back then 20 years ago, you never saw kids on the high street who, who uh, in term time, um, my other daughter didn't give a toss. She was just desperate to get home, get her shoes off and get away from the awful trauma of being yeah. in a noisy crowd, yeah, yeah. really. So yeah. when they looked back later on, uh, they were absolutely desperately pleased not to have to be going down that road anymore. And of course, they're involved with an awful lot of other children in all the groups that they did. And everybody's do, you know, scouts do some football, dancing, whatever they're doing. Yeah. And, and when they were hearing the awful tales from school and children beginning to say, oh God, I wish I could be home educated. They began to realize, you know, what a lot of sort of uh, liberty they had in their learning and so they had a very different view it came up you know when their contemporaries were all doing the switch to secondary school and parents were bribing them with new phones and things yeah. like that well rewarding should I say uh -huh. but anyway um that's what they that's what was happening and uh, I did say to to my you know to mine that they could go if they you know I, I always said that I always said you it's your choice that you know. door open yeah Yes, that's right. I always said that. It's your choice to do that. Um, but never once did they choose to do that at all, mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and now, we it's funny, we were having a funny conversation because they just visited us the first time after all this lockdown. It was such a delight. Yes. And um, we were having a conversation about... Um, the fact they didn't do GCSEs um, and my eldest is actually while in work is doing a master's at the minute and somebody was saying to her but, but you haven't got any GCSEs she says no she said yeah. but, but but you haven't got any A-levels she said no she said have you got a degree no I just went straight to a master's and yeah. was accepted yeah. and it all becomes so unimportant and they they were saying you know what a fantastic opportunity you gave me mum to do that to break oh, the wow. rules and uh, and that that was so liberating I've only waited 20 years <laughs> I, I mean that must have been just lovely to hear because I think 
you know, um, it, it comes with the territory to a certain degree, doesn't it? The, the sort of wobbles, you know, am I mm. doing the right thing here? I mean, I know some some families, um, you know, do better in having complete courage in, in their convictions. But certainly, um, you know, I'd be lying if I was to say that, you know, we haven't had our moments as a family wondering whether we're doing the right mm. thing. So, I mean, that must have just been um, fantastic to hear. But I mean, yeah. uh, you said something really interesting to me when, when we talked previously about sort of flipping that um, scenario. Can you remember what you said? Mm. Um, well, I think I was, it, it might, might have been what I was putting on the blog recently about, you know, I was terrified that they wouldn't like me anymore. They'd grow yeah. up yeah. and, and uh, hate me for giving them such an unorthodox education. But it's really odd, isn't it, that we never ask, are we going to be hated for making them go to school? Yes. And as soon as you flip it round that way, yes. it becomes a very different way of looking at it, doesn't it? It's funny we don't ask those questions. I mean, um, the, it, the kind of the norm is so ingrained in us, even though we might feel like it isn't, that it's always phrased that way around, isn't it? It's never mm. sort of you know, or do you have wobbles about, you know, whether sending them to school is really the right thing. It's um, so it, it's really interesting. And I found that a really refreshing take on it just to, to flip it around in that way. Mm. So, I mean, when uh, you, you read your book, I mean, the funny kind of education is the one that I've read um, cover to cover. It's, it's just fantastic in terms of all the things that your girls were into and the you know the passions that they were kind of developing and the projects and the things that were being built in the garden and you know tables piled high with um, craft materials and projects and all the rest of it you know just just wonderful to read about I was just wondering whether in the spirit of inspiration you could remember you know any moments where it all suddenly seemed worthwhile where you you know, the wobbles or the worries were forgotten and it really felt right. Yeah, I think I think there are times that just came over me and I don't think it was connected with anything particularly work-wise work or academic particularly, except when they suddenly got something. But it was just the feeling of the, the glorious rightness of it. You know, to watch them lying in the garden, reading a book. My youngest didn't read a book until she was 13 and Christ did I wobble about that <laughs> but um but she, obviously she reads really well now yeah. she's, she's a manager of a shop and she's so, dealing with paperwork and can I just um, I think people will be interested yeah. in that so um so when you say so does that mean that she wasn't actually decoding letters until she was that age or is that in terms of just picking up a book and actually physically reading it do you see what I mean yeah yeah the second she wasn't physically reading a book and didn't yeah. want to she yeah. was a very active young lady was investigating was learning practically but she didn't read a book now she was she was very dyslexic having seen it in the classroom and sometimes when I was I have taught in schools uh, that we're talking you know over 20 years ago here who didn't recognize dyslexia as a condition mm -hmm. that inhibited learning and ironically, my eldest has just gone through to do the master's, a whole load of dyslexia tests and discovered that she is as well. But she learned to read easily. 
So we didn't pick up on it quite as strongly, but the young one hated letters. She did all the classic thing that I'd seen in schools, reversing words, couldn't spell. Um, but she gradually, because, you know, I kept trying to get her to read, which was the worst thing I could possibly have done. Yeah. And I had to stop. But she used to decode letters and find ways of doing it herself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we might be reading, it was a lovely day. And she would just put in, it was a great day. And so she would recognize a word, but she couldn't say it, but she would substitute another word that was exactly the same meaning. Wow. It, was, it was fantastic to see it. So she actually built her own uh, strategies for yeah. dealing with her dyslexia and her word recognition, which was so difficult for her. She didn't want to sit down and do it anyway. Yeah. So she gradually built her own strategies and gradually, you know, between us, she got to read, but she didn't really want to read because that wasn't something she wanted to do yeah so um and again why should they not you know i have proposed to friends who recoil in horror when i say well should children not have the choice to be illiterate if mm -hmm. they choose mm -hmm. because if they chose if they were given the choice i don't think i think it's very unlikely that anyone would want to be illiterate because they want a text they want to do, use your phone. They want to message their friends while they're gaming. Yep. You know, so I think, I think because we're pushing it on them and we were pushing it on our youngest very early, we've been putting them off. And that's what I saw happening in school, whether it was reading, whether it was maths, whatever it was, yeah. you put them off. And whereas they, they already are learning machines, but we just mess it up so badly in so many ways. Yeah. So I've forgotten the original question, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yes, she did read a book. Yeah, it was the book thing. It was the lying down reading that uh, she didn't want to do. You know, the, she wanted to... What was the uh, what was the motivation in the end? Was it just she was just ready or was it like a kind of a, a, an interest that, you know, she wanted to deepen with, you know, sort of follow up reading? Can you remember? Well, I mean, she'd been reading. Um, non-fiction we'd always looked at non-fiction books together and read bits out of mm -hmm. them so you know she'd been exposed we've been exposing her to words all the time and it and I think through that and doing that herself yeah and then realizing what enormous pleasure her sister got from all the reading she was doing yeah. um she just decided she was going to read a book and so she did and I can't even remember yeah. might have been yeah. Harry Potter you know, that, that did it for her. Like they say, you know, J.K. Rowling is responsible for getting many children to learn to read, and good for her. So be much better than the ladybird flipping readers, aren't they? <laughs> I suppose there's a, there's a bit more to them, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I mean, what, what I like is I, I love, because we're still in the middle of it at the moment, you know, it's just great mm. to hear stories about how it all it all worked out and, you know, the children did do the things themselves you know when they were ready for it and so on and I think you know lots of active home educators will enjoy hearing that sort of thing and it's particularly you know about, about your your elder daughter that you were saying that she she now has a master's without I mean that's you know just just nothing in between and, and that's possible and you know for most mm. people they just wouldn't imagine that that was um that was a path that was followable would they so you know no. The more things that that we can hear like that, I think, uh, you know, comforting and inspiring, and you know, all sorts of things all at the same time. Yeah, 
That was the same thing with college. I mean, she wanted to do drama. Of all the things you can't do at home without a group, it's drama, isn't it? <laughs> so she wants. So she went to college, and uh, we hadn't done GCSEs at that point. She, you know, she just wanted to do the drama. So she went on to do a um, a BTEC and and got distinctions, which is the same as supposed to be the same as five GCSEs. Although I think that's all changed now. Mm-hmm. But the, the drama course she wanted to do, it said you had to have two or three GCSEs, and and she said, but I haven't got those, Mum. I said, don't care, let's just do it anyway. <laughs> so yeah. we applied and they interviewed her uh, and they took her on. Uh, mm-hmm. And they said, no, don't do level one, go straight to level two because you'd find level one too, too uh, small for you. Yeah. So, you know, people should try these routes even though they haven't yep. necessarily got, you know, the bits of paper. Sure. And wasn't there um, also, wasn't your daughter accepted onto... Uh, a different college course was it a textile one you know at quite a, oh that's a right yeah yeah her other love was textiles and that's interestingly what she's doing at the masters but the open college of a lot of the arts is a bit like OU but for the arts and she was about she was coming up to 14 and we got I got in touch with the um tutor and said, you know, she'd really love to do some of these modules on this course. Would that be a problem? And she said, well, the only problem we find with younger pupils is motivation. Um, but she said, actually, from what you've described of your home education, that doesn't seem to be an issue. And so she did do a model, uh, a module, sorry. She mm-hmm. didn't go on with that because right. she sort of switched, switched to drama, but she did very well with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just ask. And of course, you know, you're only as well good or, you know, it's, it's only really the last thing you've passed that has any relevance, doesn't it? So if that happens yeah. to be a master's, then that's, um, that's pretty handy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I w- you know, just coming back to your, your book, Funny Kind of Education, which I'd really recommend for, for people wanting to follow, you know, just the, the ins and outs of... Uh, of a home ed journey um, and the day-to-day sort of worries and triumphs and, and all the rest of it. Um, and obviously it was a little while ago for your family and, and you mentioned towards the end of the book, I think, that you'd got a fast internet connection for the, yeah, for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that it was a bit of a, a game changer. So I'm quite interested in, in, you know, asking you about as your home educating experience kind of sat either side of that fast internet connection that I would have thought most of us take for granted these days. You know, how did it change things? And do you think your experiences home educating would have been radically different if that had been there for the, from the start for you? Do you, do you? How much of a factor do you think it would have been? Well, I would have had to have moderate the gaming they wanted to do, so I didn't have that problem, which lots of parents worry about. Um, But the thing about that is, um, you know, parents also say they don't feel the need to moderate it. They can't do that themselves in the end. And another lady also um, advocates that her son learned to read by gaming because he wanted to message, yeah. message the people she's gaming. But other than that, joking aside, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. Obviously, it's, it would have been the information gathering that would have been helpful because everything was the library and books otherwise, and it's so different now. But mm-hmm. the other thing that I think changes it 
would be the connectivity to others and the yeah. confidence mm -hmm. that parents can now have by going on a home ed forum and saying, you know, my son's 10 and he won't do maths, what do I do? And then you'll get 20 answers yeah. and supportive people from leave him, he'll come to it in the end to, you know, I found Twinkle comes up a lot. I found yeah. Twinkle really helpful or whatever. <laughs> You know, so there's a whole range of, of help and support that gives the parents confidence. So I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. But another big thing is, I think, that the children can see that connectivity to the world. So now they can see that and find out anything for themselves. You kind of think, well, why do they need teachers? Um, because it was a kind of exclusive realm, wasn't it, that teachers had all the knowledge? Yeah, sort of the guardians of knowledge. Yes, yes. Ancient wisdom. Yeah, yeah and that, that has all changed. But the other thing that I think is, it's um, done is illustrate to the children what an awful lot there is to learn about, what a mm -hmm. fascinating world it is. Why would they not want to learn? Yeah. And I think the premise of a lot of schooling is that it's based around the expectation of kids not wanting to learn, which is understandable because of the type of learning that goes on there. Yeah. But that's been reinterpreted and them not wanting to learn anything, mm -hmm. which is completely untrue. And they do want to learn. You know, they'll just click on a site about dinosaurs or space space travel won't they and and they'll be looking all around it and and it's so image-led yeah. and going back to the dyslexia I don't see what I try to make as much learning for our child as I could image-led and I don't see why it can't be image-led yeah. and we have the opportunity to do that now I mean there are videos even for long multiplication on YouTube yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it so it's an amazing resource and maybe it will put the idea of actually kids need to be taught in order to learn anything, put that to bed because it needs put into bed in our modern world. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a number of things I just want to um, follow up on there from what you've just said. And firstly, you mentioned the access to um, social media in terms of a support network. And, and that's such a huge change, isn't it? Because, you know, like, mm. for example, with our Facebook group we've got 17,000 home educators whose as you say wow. thoughts and opinions you can yeah. access within a within a few mouse clicks basically yeah and for me I you know I found it really interesting the comparison between that and when you were starting out there was no yeah. established way for you to really make any home ed connections was there so there's a fantastic bit in your book where you uh, you go down to the local library and try and persuade them to display a poster about you know yeah. how to, to contact the, the home ed. It's almost like an underground network type thing. Yeah. And then they, they don't end up um, displaying your poster. And it, it's just really interesting. And you know, it can't be avoided making the stark comparison between that and the situation we have today with these you know social media channels and instant yeah it was a bit like with that with the library uh, incidents where she thought it was wrong so she wouldn't put the poster up yeah um it was a bit it's a bit like that kind of divide and rule scenario isn't it mm. 
Um, the government can't do that now because we can all connect. We can all say, well, no, we don't use school. We do this instead. No, you don't have to use school. So they can't do that to parents anymore because parents can find support. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> what are your thoughts on... So it's a difficult question, this, and apologies for it, but I'm, I'm curious. So obviously you've seen some changes over, you know, the time since you started out. Where do you think the home education landscape might be in, say, 20 years' time? I mean, we saw, I, I think, once the schools closed last year, lots of us were able to predict that people, some people would enjoy what was in effect a sort of extended free trial of home education, wasn't it? Um, mm. Lots of people would enjoy that and, and end up, you know, not so, sending the children back to school and, and that happened. Um, mm. what, how do you see it? What, where do you think we might be in, um, in 20 years time? Who knows? I mean, you know, the pandemic has changed not only education, but our society, I think, and our societal expectations and everything, the economy and everything, hasn't it? Mm. Um, how this reflects on home education, because, you know, I think many parents were a bit peeved at school using parents who had lesson plans sent home calling that home education that must have been so hard for parents to do i think because yeah. the kids didn't want to do it anyway when we're at home with home yeah. education we've got a little bit they know you're on their side don't they yeah so um they're a bit more willing when it comes to the things we want them to do compared to the things they want to do and i think there's always got to be a balance but I think with the internet and access to, to knowledge, access to courses and resources and uh, support, I could see it growing because I'm a bit worried where education in schools is going. And, mm -hmm. you know, we need schools because basically we need childminding so that parents can work. Yeah. But, but we need a new angle on what goes on in there. And maybe we could have a more of a, a home ed approach in schools mm. and and maybe maybe you know home educators wouldn't be so considered you know it was a bit considered you're a bit of a weirdo um, yeah. when we were yeah. doing it when people started out and why would yeah. you want to do that and why would you even want to be with your kids all day that was the one I could never understand <laughs> and do you think um, that's shifted do you think that perception is is still there or is it well I think it just just like we're trying to shift racism and gender mm -hmm. equality, yeah, I think yeah. we've still got a hell of a long way to go because, yeah. I mean, it's more hidden, really, isn't it? Uh, and there are, there are so many different brands of parenting and, and what people believe about parenting, yeah. right from, you know, the people outside the school gate mm -hmm. to, you know, people who, you know, would make a fantastic job and all the plethora of people who are in between who are just muddling along like I did. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm hoping it will grow because people have more confidence and I'm hoping that that it will be it will maybe reflect in the system and maybe even make schools a little bit more useful than they are to some children at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It it, is a, it's good to know it that is you're hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm hopeful, but when I start going down that road and looking at the politics surrounding the monitoring, I do get very twitchy. Well, that, that's the other thing, isn't it? I mean, and really, mm. we have, you know, no way of knowing 
well, I mean, we have a fairly good idea, I suppose, of uh, of where that's going. But um, mm. I mean, I suppose the interesting thing of, about the school system is, you know, obviously with the world changing, you know, there's a perhaps a feeling that you know schooling, formal schooling, needs to to change mm. to to reflect that. But it's such a big ship to to turn isn't it you know sort of mm. heading off in the direction it's in so especially, yeah, you want... since, especially since I think a lot of parents don't want it to change they just want to send their kids off to school and let someone else deal with it mm. uh, and not be involved with it and understandably you know some parents are like that's fair enough if that's what you like you know that's what what they need so Unless we can turn around mass ignorance about education and what it is, yeah. because I think um, people believe education is about qualification getting. And that's something else I learned, you know, that it isn't. I don't call an educated person who's chucking litter out of the window mm -hmm. educated, however many qualifications they have. So we need to change how we think about education per se, yeah. I think. We, that's what we need to get away from. Um, and I think that's why a lot of home educators home educate, because they think it is more than hoop jumping, which mm. schools have turned it into, sadly. They've turned, you know, a curious and wanting to learn child into a dumbed down hoop jumper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, isn't it? And, and you know, were perceptions of school parents shifted at all by the school closures in terms of understanding a little bit more about home education you know I think I think some believe that they they got an insight but as you said you know it, it wasn't really the same thing at all was it it was it no. was more the parent acting as a, a teacher you know taking on that that teacher role and you know having to deliver you know various mm. things for, for various days um, I mean, it's just it's just interesting times, yeah. And it, and it, you know, you do wonder how things will will change. But at the end of the day, all, all you can do is is the best for your your children, really, isn't it? And uh, yeah, you know, for a lot of people, um, this is what that is. Yeah, the best for your children and the best for your situation. Yeah, because every family situation is different, isn't it? And since all our children are diverse, it doesn't matter if they have a diverse education that is different from anybody else's. That's what we want for the, the you know, the longevity of the human race, isn't it? <coughs> Instead yeah. of making them all the same, mm. we should make, maybe make them more diverse and allow them to have diverse pockets of knowledge and understanding. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, more so than ever before, we need yeah. creative thinking and problem solving and, you know, action takers, don't we, who mm. who can help, basically. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and a diverse education. It's like them saying about the jabs, isn't it, for the COVID? We need a variety of different um vaccinations when everybody's desperate saying i had this one at the start so i need this one for my second one when actually they're saying the opposite is true yeah. a diverse we need diversity oh, okay. in yeah. all things yeah. yeah yes that's a that's a really kind of a nice thought to um well we're, we're close close to the end of our chat i think i'm just going to ask you whether you <coughs> and then sorry these are mostly quite difficult questions <laughs> 
But um, <laughs> would you have a go at distilling your your wisdom and experience into one piece of advice for a home educating family, or is that just an impossible ask? Well, you yes, you asked me to think about that, and I, you know, there is so much that you could say, but the one thing I would say is trust. Mm. And that's trust yourself and trust your child as well. It's extremely rare, I think, that any child in a stimulating and encouraging environment that has been experienced of the world as they grow would not want to be part of it, would not want to get themselves to a point, well, if qualifications come into it, well and good, where they could earn and gain the skills to work in that world. So I need to... I think people just need to trust that that's going to happen in whatever form. And if they make each day a reasonably good day, and it won't be, just as it isn't in school, you'll have absolutely appalling days where you're all at loggerheads, but we get over it. Right. I mean, they do that in school, don't they? But if the majority of the days are good, mm -hmm. at the end of it, they will have had a good education, I'm sure. Yeah. And they will take it out of your hands. So you just need to trust that's wonderful. That's a, that's a, that's uplifting. I like that a lot. You've certainly you. achieved that that answer to that very difficult question. Thank you, um, Ross. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh, today. I'm going to um, wrap things up in a second. I just wondered. Well, I'm I'm absolutely sure that people will be interested in finding more of your your thinking and writing on on the subject of home education if people are interested in getting hold of your books or um you know reading more of your writing where should they go well if they go to my blog if they just google my name a blog will come up and there's a my books page on the blog and loads and loads of blogs on there um and they'll find you know there's a couple of books. One that the first one I did was just really a guide to home education. If people are completely new to it, they might find helpful. And then there's the funny one that you're talking about in yeah. the middle. And then there's one with sort of more home ed stories that just try to reassure people, particularly parents who've been doing it a while, yeah. who still have wobbles as we did. Um, yeah. And they might find that comforting as well. So just you know have a google and find the blog and it will take you from there thank you fantastic well i'm going to thank you once again for your um your words of wisdom and for joining us uh for this 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 chat uh yeah so um really very much appreciated and uh thank you for your time thank you too <laughs>